Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer Delaney, and I'm the North American Product Manager here at Neolife International. And this morning, our product call is a segment called Inside the SAB. For those of you who may not know what the SAB stands for, it is the Scientific Advisory Board. And it's a board of scientists who have vast experience in the industry, and all of them are extremely involved in the development of our product. I'd like to introduce two scientists to you who are going to talk about probiotics, the good, the bad, and the healthy. The first scientist is Dr. David Shepard. Dr. Shepard is an expert in food technology and phytochemistry. He holds a bachelor's degree from Durham University in the UK, and his master's and doctorate degrees in microbial biochemistry are from Manchester University in the UK. And then he completed his postdoctoral studies in microbial enzymology at the University of California in Davis. Dr. Shepard has over, well over 20 years of experience that includes 16 scientific publications, 12 patents, and extensive experience in more than 40 international markets. John Miller is the director of our scientific advisory board, and John started as an engineer. He even worked at NASA for a little while. And lucky for us, he switched gears into our industry. And he has over 40 years of experience in manufacturing administration, domestic and international product development, and international research and marketing. John has researched, developed, and marketed more than 500 products in over 50 countries. So both of these gentlemen are extremely accomplished, and I'm so excited they're here to talk to you about probiotics. So without further ado, I am going to switch this call over to John and Dr. Shepard, and thank you all for joining us today. We're really excited that you're here, and I will see you next time. John, I'm switching it over to you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to session number four of Inside the SAB. In this session, we talk to Dr. David Shepard, longtime scientific advisory board member who is probably our most expert uh, biochemist, biologist, uh, microbiologist, enzymologist, and in all of those sorts of things. So uh, uh, I'm going to uh, introduce you now, Dave, and just uh, tell us a little bit about, I probably didn't get that right, so tell us a little bit about your background. No, it's pretty good, John, pretty good. Well, I guess it goes back a long way. I've always been interested in things that are biologically. Even as a kid, I used to want to go out in the fields, the woods, look at flowers and all this sort of thing. And that was why even when I went to high school, I did a lot of studies in biology in general and in botany and in zoology as well. And in fact, my first uh, BS uh, in uh, university, at the University of Durham was in fact in, in botany and plant physiology. Uh -huh. And that was how I got really into microbiology because in parts of that study, we did a lot of work on fungi. And uh -huh. that's the other thing that I've always been very interested in and not only eat, eating them, but studying them in other ways. Yeah. I then went on to do, do my uh, P, uh, master's and PhD, where again, I was got into working mainly with fungi, but other, uh, other microorganisms. And in fact, how they produce different metabolites. Like this is how we uh, people discovered that in fact, antibiotics and certain enzymes, that these 
microbes are in fact, in fact fantastic factories that if you give them the right food, they will produce all sorts of things for you. Yeah. And this is what's always fascinated for me a long time. Yeah. Well, after that's, after that's, that's, um, that's doing my PhD, I then did a postdoc very near to where you're, John. I was at UC Davis for two years, where, in fact, I looked inside the bugs to see what sort of enzymes these guys would make to sort of round out my knowledge of microorganisms. I and was then, and then that's I went. How you got into industrial enzymology? Yes, that was right. And that's, in fact, what happened was that I didn't really want to stay in the academic world. I was always wanting to apply what I, I knew. And that's why I work, went to work one of the biggest food companies in the world for over 20 years, where, in fact, I set up a whole sector where we, were, uh, we worked on using microorganisms to produce all sorts of things from enzymes to colors. Um, in fact, we, um, we, we had uh, several patterns, actually, on how microorganisms produce uh, um, carotenoids. Uh-huh. And, cool. and then we also did a huge product, project where we, in fact, tried to feed the world with what we call uh, monocellular um, uh, protein, which, of course, didn't take on because people were still wanted to eat steak in the 70s. Yeah, but I, and see, then, I see now that science is getting a lot of attention. As we exactly. We were well, as usual, with a lot of these things, we were way ahead of our time. Yeah. And then finally, uh, before I joined uh, Near Life, in fact, I was um, involved in doing a lot of research and development of nutritional products, instant products uh, that we, in fact, marketed for about 40 different countries around the world. Uh-huh. And then I, re- I joined you guys where I took up the flame again and continue developing products, but now more on the nutritional side and also setting up a whole quality control system. Yeah, and then yeah. I got invited on the SAB and as the saying goes, the rest is history. Yeah, that was 1990, eh, when you joined yeah. the SAB, a long time ago. Yeah. See, it doesn't seem that long. I, when I think back that far. Well, that's when I joined the company and one year later I went to the SAB and that was the same year that Ariana joined as well. Uh-huh. So he doesn't make either of us particularly younger. <laughs> that was a, that was a good year. A yeah, good year. So you know, if I think from from the company perspective and probably from the distributor perspective, um, this whole idea of of microorganisms in general and in particular the ones that reside in our gastrointestinal tract, our gut bugs, as I referred to them, we think about them primarily as being playing a, a big role in digestion. And you made some comments to me. Uh, in our little a little earlier when we were talking about the reality of that is though they they play a role it's pretty much digestion is done by the time it gets to them tell us a little bit about that again before I do that though I just like to so we're talking about gut bugs gut bugs as you say but I mean I think the term we use more technically today are called what we call probiotics yeah, of course and in fact. The, you know, everybody talks about probiotics as something relatively new. In fact, it was only in 2001 that the World Health Organization actually defined what a probiotic was. And they say that these are microorganisms that if they, they're fed in the right amount, will in fact have some health benefit to the receiver. And the thing that's important there is in the right amount. And I'll come back to that as a very important point later. But talking about digestion, John, and the pro, how do the probiotics really fit into this? I always say, of course, that by the time 
what we eat, put in our mouth, reaches the probiotics in your gut. Most of the digestion has probably been done anyway because we chew it, we break up a lot of the food, we have enzymes in our mouth, it then gets down to the stomach where the, the acid in the stomach helps break down further. There are special enzymes there. It then goes into the small intestine where we load a lot of bile on it. And then finally, it gets to the probiotics, to the bugs that are in our mainly in our large intestine. Uh-huh. And of course, there, of course, if you like, this is true. This is the end of the road for digestion. Because this is what we've done is we've broken all this stuff down. I mean, obviously, some of the nutrients that we release from the, all the food we eat are used directly through the intestinal wall and are used for all sorts of biochemical uh, mechanisms in our body. But, but a lot of these, these um, uh, molecules that are broken down from our food are actually used directly by these organisms to produce a load of, a load of other molecules and substances that we call secondary metabolites. Why secondary metabolites? Because they, they're produced as a byproduct of the metabolism of all these microorganisms, which are in enormous quantities. And the same goes is there's probably more microorganisms in your great in your large intestine than, the, than there are cells in the whole of the rest of your body. Yeah. So it gives you a bit of an idea of what sort of scale we're talking about there. Actually, if you look at weight, there's probably over a kilo, actually, or maybe a kilo and a half of these bugs in your, um, uh, <coughs> excuse me, in your large intestine. And this is obviously why if you have a, a problem with the intestine, your intestines, this is why very often you do lose a lot of weight. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get rid of your gut bugs and you uh, step on the scale and all of a sudden you play, you weigh two kilos less, which is exactly a significant amount of body. So weight. really, yeah, these are, these are important. You can say that these probiotics are part of digestion. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Now, you know, we, uh, you said earlier that World Health Organization defined probiotics in 2001, but we've known about gut bugs or these sort of microorganisms that, that do these sort of things for a long time, a eh? couple of thousand years or maybe more. Yeah, I mean, this is, if you like, I think that in the latter part of the 20th century, in the 21st century, these type of microorganisms have really come to the fore. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but it's true. You can go way, way back. The Romans, in fact, and the Greeks used to, in fact, make sort of cheeses uh, using these type of organisms. And they they did probably, did, they obviously didn't know why, but they actually suggested that people should eat these fermented products to be healthy. Uh-huh. And there's the famous uh, fermented milks in Bulgaria that were studied by certain uh, um, microbiologists at the beginning of the 19th century that this were where they were trying to identify why certain people in Bulgaria, for instance, lived a lot longer than in other places. And one of the reasons was they thought was in fact, they used to um, uh, consume large quantities of these fermented milks. And in fact, one of the most um, well-known um, organisms we use today to make yogurt is called lactobacillus Bulgaricus, right? <laughs> Coming, you don't have to guess where the origin was. Yeah, right. but yeah, this is these have been around for a long time. The thing that's happening now recently, we're understanding why they are important. Yeah, so we used them not only for food production but food preservation. Yeah, 
Yeah, especially for food preservation, because if you look at if you look at things like milk, if you look at things like wine, and a lot of other things uh, that we we have that and have had for centuries, if you just leave them, then they will go off. Yeah. But it's some of them, in fact, instead of going rotten, they've found out that there were certain organisms that developed there that, funnily enough, ended up by making, allowed them to make cheese or fermented the, the grape juice, which then made wine. And this with the alcohol and or the acid, as it, as it is in cheese, then allows you to keep these for a lot longer. And invariably, these things were produced at the time in our ancestors, of course, during the summer. Yeah. And of course, during the winter, they had a problem. What do you eat? Well, you could eat your cheese because this would keep for a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. Food preservation, obviously, before refrigeration with the modern yeah. technologies, or even maybe the icebox, uh, food yeah. preservation has always been a challenge for us. So I imagine sure. it, was a, it was a big discovery that you can uh, do that. And all of a sudden, cheese will last you a long time when you uh, yeah. turn it into cheese. Yeah, good. So, you know, um, what I'd like to do now is I'd like to just touch on leaping forward, if you will, all of the things that we just talked about and talk about how we use that understanding uh, in the development of our product Acidophilus Plus. You know, it's a, I know there was a lot involved. You were a key player in the development yep. of that formulation with us, not only the, the ingredients, but the delivery system and all of that sort of thing. So um, I'd like you to g give us a little background from your perspective, because you have that unique view of being uh, one of the primary driving forces behind the product. Okay. Well, the, the, the logic about developing this product was that we know at the, at the time, and this has been around along for ages, that if you go to your store, to a, your supermarket, then in the chilled uh, shelves, you always find all types of yogurt. And they becoming more and more popular yogurt itself. They've developed other ones which we call acidophilus milk. Then there is, um, there's other, we found that bifibacteria as well. The bifibacteria, these are specifically very good strains that were found really in the guts of infants uh, originally, but they found that also they have very, they give you very good fermented products. And then there's a Japanese product that's known around the world now called Yakult, which again has very specific strains. Now, all these products you can go and buy every day in your supermarket is fine. But A, you, they have a very limited shelf life. You have to keep them in your refrigerator all the time. And you have absolutely no idea how many organisms you, you in fact, are going to imbibe by eating any of these fermented products. And as I said earlier, one of the definitions of the World Health Organization was in getting the right amount of the microorganisms in your system. So we approach one of the, the best known, one of the biggest producers of this type of, of probiotics in the world, who in fact thought that this was quite a good idea that not just have one strain, but have a multi-strain. Now in yogurt, there are two strains. One is Streptococcus thermophilus and Lactobacillus bulgaricus or it may have other names today because scientists love to change names on it. Yeah. There's the uh, Lactobacillus casei, which is in Yakult. Obviously, in the acidophilus milk, it's Lactobacillus acidophilus. And in the, and in the bifidus milks, it's obviously Bifidobacterium 
and then it depends on which um, university you went to, what you call it, which you give the species name. But anyway, so we ended up with all these five these uh, five strains. Yeah. And of course, being working with one of the better uh, companies in the world for this, they knew exactly how to produce these these strains. No problem. They knew how to mix them. But of course, the big problem is, as I said before, and this is why I, it may, amuses me when you see on uh, competitive products, oh, we've got trillions of this, we've got trillions of that. It's a big horsepower game. But that's not what's important. It's not what you put in your mouth that's important. It's how many of these bacteria you actually get into your large intestine. Right. And this was one of our biggest challenges that we ended up with a very, very special system whereby we, in, we put the, all these organisms in a capsule in a very special matrix that when these capsules get into your stomach, the, the capsule itself breaks down. And then with the acid in the stomach, it actually makes a gel out of this matrix. And then this is flushed out of your stomach, gets into your intestine, where, as we know, because of the bile, it changes from being very acid to alkaline. And these al in these alkaline uh, situations, these, um, this matrix breaks down, mm -hmm. releasing all, the, all the, the microorganisms that you took in your mouth. And so in other words, what we put on the label, actually we, we know will get to where it does its work in the, in the, yeah. in the large intestine. Yeah, I remember so when we developed that. one of that. the biggest challenges we had. Yeah, I remember okay. when we when we developed that this whole idea of targeted delivery technology, right? We yeah. knew that we knew that you know most of the products, if not all of them, certainly yogurts and things like that that you consume, that that the you know the stomach acid is pretty aggressive stuff. It attacks and breaks down things, and and basically they're just proteinaceous things. It treats them like food and digests them too. So you need Correct. an acid through that very harsh atmosphere environment of the stomach and into the intestine, then that technology that allowed the, the capsule to break down and form the gel and then the gel to be acid resistant yet alkali sensitive. So when it got further down into the into the intestine, it released those organisms. That that's pretty tricky. And the fact that we were able to show that in the laboratory was uh, was was great. So you know one of the things that um, that you mentioned earlier, and I'd like to focus on, is the idea of a, a, a I think you called it a monocolony, or so you end up, some products you end up with one strain or just, you know, sort of one or two strains where really the, it's a diversity that you want to promote in your, in your gas. Yeah, I, I think this is very important because in fact, there are a lot of, a lot of studies coming out where people say one particular, not only one organism, but a a very special strain of one organism will do this, this, and this. And this worries me because the thing is, I'll, I'd like to mention another point that's very important, working with the, the people we did to develop this product. They understand, because they, they're one of the biggest producers of uh, starter cultures for making cheese and yogurt and a whole load of other fermented products. And one of the biggest dangers you have when you go make industrial scale fermentation processes with these, with these bacteria is that unfortunately like us, when we get COVID or something else, this is due to a virus. And unfortunately, nearly all these probiotics are very sensitive to what we call bacteriophage, which are in fact just bacterial viruses.
Uh-huh. And so these people understand this problem, and therefore we can guarantee that every time um, the the strains that we select are in fact resistant to these viruses, because if what happens is if you these viruses get hold of, of the cells, they like the viruses that get hold of our cells, they just totally destroy them, and therefore there's no activity. Yeah. Well, this is very important. This comes back to the point that I was just making again about the problem with having uh, a lot of these studies that have been done with one strain. Nobody ever talks about resistance to these viruses, these bacterial fashion. Right, right. Because this is one of the biggest problems you could, because it's all right doing this in a test tube in a laboratory. But if you ever want to start producing industrial scale amounts of this so you can sell these products, this is one of the biggest problems you're faced with. Yeah, the reality. And this is why the people we work with understand this. Yeah, the reality is that you know that none of this, what's going on, the, your your microbiome, none of it's static. It's a very biodynamic thing that's going on oh, yeah. all the time. And I've read a lot about the fact that you have to, just like you sort of have to get a flu shot every year to deal with whatever's going on with that particular virus. You have to pay attention to that in terms of your raw material selection and delivery of organisms. And I know that that's one of the things that you have told us that our supply system takes into account, probably better or at least as good as, if not better than everybody else on the planet yeah. in that regard. So, yeah, you know, no, this, this was one of the reasons why we chose this particular supplier, because as I say, they're one of the biggest in the world. And they were, fortunately, they worked with us. Yeah. But, I, um, but you're right, this is the thing. This is why we chose these particular strains. A, they're well known. So there's no problem of anybody coming back saying, hey, what's all these? Because this is the other problem with a lot of research that's being done today that troubles me is some of the, 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 the microorganisms, the probiotics they're using, even I have never heard of them. Yeah. And this worries me that, you know, if we, this is another reason why we chose those particular strains. Because if anybody says anything, well, where do these things come from? We can tell them they come from exactly the same products that you can go in your supermarket and buy off the shelf. Yeah, they're whole food sourced, essentially. They're whole food sourced. Right, exactly. Which is different than going off and getting something that was grown in a Petri dish and saying, oh, you need this. Yeah, yeah. no, so, I, mean, the, I mean, some of these strains that they're talking about were isolated from, from the, the, the microbiome of certain people or animals or whatever. But I mean, the thing is, the, the, you can, I mean, there are estimated something about probably between four and 5,000 different species of microorganism in your large intestine. And that's just the, 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 the species. And then these species have different subspecies of that. So God knows how many there are actually in there. Yeah. And of course, if you isolate this, you can isolate millions of different types of of, of microorganisms and then try and do all sorts of things with them. But the thing that worries me is that until we know whether these things are, are potentially, uh, because it's all right them being in a, in a matrix in, in the large intestine. The other problem is, of course, is what happens when you isolate them. Mm. And as I say, this is why we chose these food sourced microorganisms that we, we can sleep yeah, on our both ears, if you like, at night, and we know that you're not going to have a problem if you take Acidophilus Plus. Yeah, no, I, I understand it. You know, we've always been very cautious about making sure that what we recommend to people 
because they're going to, you know, hopefully they're going to take them a lot for a long time. We've always been very cautious about not getting fringy and having the formulations based on really solid science. And I think that the five organisms that are in Acidophilus Plus are, are the most researched organisms uh, in the world, yeah. I think, you know, I mean, they've, yeah. they've been, there's no real, no real surprises going on there. Well, no, because as I say, these are used in, 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 in the food industry to make products to sell in supermarkets. So obviously they, they're going to make, want to be very sure that these things are going to work all the yeah. time. Otherwise, as I say, you know, you end up, you know, sort of with a tank of about several thousand liters of yogurt in it. And if it doesn't turn out as you want, yeah. then you're going to get pretty upset with the guy who, who sent you the, the microorganisms. Yeah, a, the biotechnology sciences are constantly evolving. <laughs> Speaking of that, you know, I know from the reviews that you do every month and, you know, I read a lot in the, in the journals, too, that there are there's a steady stream of research coming out on on probiotics in one form or another. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's just sort of the nature of the moment because it's such a hot topic. There's a lot of money being around from, uh, for grants and so on and so forth. But, you know, my sense is that a lot of this is just sort of maybe interesting, but not really that valuable. What do you, what do you think? No, I, I agree 100% with you. I think down the road probably will something will come out. But the thing that worries me is, in fact, there is just so much out there. You know, as the saying goes, he's taking a shotgun to, you know, kill something. And uh, instead of zeroing in on certain things, of course, what, what has certainly pushed a lot of this research is, of course, that everybody's looking for the silver bullet for COVID. And of course, this is one thing that people, certain people have said that if you take certain probiotics, then they think that you have a better problem of getting through COVID and all this. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe that there's any particular strains that if you take that, you're not going to get COVID. One thing is for sure, though, that by having something like acid offidus plus, it will help you to have an overall good, healthy life. And if obviously, if you're in relatively good health, then any any uh, disease that comes down the road, not saying you will never get it, but you probably have a better chance of, of getting through it than if you're in, in very bad health to start with. Yeah, well, a healthy gut microbiome is associated with a healthy immune function too, um, yeah. for, a, for a broad number of reasons. I don't think you can relate that specifically to any individual sort no. of uh, threat like COVID-19, but you can talk about it in the general sense that you know your immune system is constantly working. It's not like it goes to sleep just when no. there's nothing around. It is always working all the time. And, and this is probably true that there are, as I, I always say, is that it's not really surprising that there's a lot of work being said about, for instance, in a lot of the research about this famous gut-brain axis. Yeah. Now, I, for a long time, I used to always trouble me that we've always concentrated on that, as though these microorganisms said, hey, guys, we're going to make something that's just going to be good for the brain. There are millions of these organisms there churning out all sorts of, of these, what we said before, secondary metabolites. These are results of the metabolism of when they, they have all sorts of mechanisms within the organism that when they get fed on certain raw materials, then they t- churn out certain molecules. And I'm sure that a lot of these molecules that they churn out 
having effects on every aspect of our bodies. Right. Not only that, obviously, it, it sounds good that your, your gut is, is actually making you think and taking charge of your brain. It worries me that, in fact, my, my large intestine is, is doing is telling me today what I'm going to say to you. But anyway, that's another problem. Yeah. But the, the thing is that I believe that we will find as we go to do more and more specific research and we find out more about what the big problem, of course, is that all these things going on is in our large intestine. And it's a bit difficult to actually find out really what's going on there. A, it's a great matrix. And secondly, there aren't many people around who would like you to actually to open up your large intestine and see what's going in there. Yeah. There have been some studies of people who go through certain surgeries, of course, give samples for research. But even there, it's not obvious that this is what's going on all the time. Yeah. But I think as we go down the road, we will end up with some serious research we, we, and we will, I think we'll end up with some multi-strain products that will, in fact, have some serious effects on our health. And for the moment, I don't think we're there. We, as the SAB and myself in particular, are following this in great detail. There are some, I think, not only researchers, but certain other companies than the one that we work with are looking at some serious studies. And maybe here in a couple of years or longer, I think we probably will, will end up with something that can be really used uh, for new products uh, for Neolife. I'm sure this was going to happen. But right now, I don't believe that we're in that, we're in that place at the moment. I think what we're learning about, I think, you know, and I, yeah, there's still a lot to be learned to figure out what you've learned. But I think that, you know, what we're finding is that as you mentioned earlier, that these organisms produce a lot of secondary metabolites that are signaling molecules or messenger molecules are actually bioactive things that, yeah. that, that go to and influence, influence the body. And I, th I think we're going to find that uh, that process uh, affects everything some way, shape or form. But I think the other thing we might find is there's a in the presence or absence of certain organisms that if, if you have a metabolite that's actually produced by a certain organism and that organism is not present either because you have a bad diet or whatever it might be, then you don't get the benefit of that metabolite either. So yeah. there's a lot of linkage there that I think. Yeah. Out. Well, I, I think, think one, of, one of the great things about Acidophilus Plus is that, again, the defined, uh, we know those organisms are there and they're going to get where they need to be. Well, this is what I was just going to say. I think that this is something as well that, we did. De we designed the acidophilus plus. It's not that we're going to say we'll do this or this or something else. The thing is, it is, is a great stabilizer of the the actual gut flora or microbiome, as we like to call it today. And I think this is what it's very good at. That if you take this regularly, it will guarantee that you are getting a good supply of the right good guys where where they do their work. Yeah. And uh, I think that this is why it's uh, very important. It will certainly give you a more regular uh, transit through uh, through the intestine. And uh, as I said, this, this this is the thing. We're not going there. We're not making claims that if you take two of these or three of these a day, it's going to cure whatever. That's not the, the is that is not the the reason we developed it. Yeah, there's a there's a second sort of a secondary element I'd like to bring in here about this lactobacillus, those, those lactic acid producing 
organisms and their role in keeping the the gut microbiome sort of in check. You know, there's we have some less than nice guys that occupy certain parts of our of our intestinal tract, like E. coli or C. difficile. Then you know they're opportunistic and given a chance, they'd like to take over the whole. Yeah. So explain that relationship a little bit for well, me. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's true that, as I said, it's, it's, it's a mate, uh, the microbiome is just a matrix. It's made up of all sorts of different microorganisms. And whatever we eat, we, the most of the food we eat is not sterile. It may, it may not be highly contaminated, but I know for a fact that certainly if you eat certain fermented products, I mean, even cheeses, you can get a certain number of, of microorganisms that may not do you very much good. But the thing about giving the right guys there, of course, is what they do is they, they give an environment where they take over and the bad guys don't, don't uh, develop. And luckily, most of the pathogens that we could end up making us seriously ill do not like uh, low pH, in other words, low, low acidity, um, to survive. Therefore, this is the one great thing about the, the, the whole group of lactobacilli, even certain streptococci, which are used in yogurt and, and bifidobacteria, they all do one thing. They like to uh, metabolize sugars like lactose or certain others, and they produce a lot of acid. A lot of them produce lactic acid, but others produce other forms of acid that keeps the acidity very low. And if, this, and if you keep the acidity relatively low in your, <coughs> excuse me, in your in large intestine, then the other guys cannot develop. Right. It's sort of like a pH barrier, right? Exactly. So it's a pH. It's, this is what I, I had a, a, a microbiology, a bacteriology professor who used to have this theory about barriers and hurdles. And it's true. The thing you have to do is to preserve uh, a sterile or a healthy situation is the bad guys. You have to make them jump over as many hurdles as possible. Yeah. Acidity in 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 other situations you can sterilize them. You can use irradiation, all sorts of things. That the more they have to hurdles they have to jump over, the less possibility they have of surviving. Yeah, that, and, I, and this is one thing that acidophilus plus does. It guarantees that your the actual healthiness, if you like, of your gut is a perfect situation to prevent these guys taking over. Yeah, perfect. I've seen that, that, you know, it used to be that the medical community didn't embrace the importance of, of this too much. They would give you an antibiotic and then they would tell you just go eat normally afterwards. And if the antibiotic was any good, it, you know, wiped out a bunch of bacteria in your gut, good or bad, and could often yeah, no. upset the apple cart. I remember years ago, well, something happened to my son where between the dentist and the doctor, they got the wrong antibiotic mixed, and he ended up in the hospital with C. difficile overgrowth. Uh, because not, not so much because of what they were doing, but because they didn't tell him that, oh, by the way, you should recolonize when you're done. Yeah. Right. And I know now my, the gastroenterologist I go to, and even my, my, my MD, when you, if they prescribe, my, my dentist, if they prescribe an antibiotic, they always sort of make mention that afterwards you should eat some yogurt or whatever, just to because they have acknowledged now how important that that part of the microbiome is to the overall health of the body. Yeah, but it, it's still there is still a lot of reticence to admit that in fact how important the microbiome is, and I think unfortunately the the, the amount of studies that aren't very serious that have been done 
only is putting oil on the fire for certain people who are against this. Yeah. And this is why I just mentioned one thing. In fact, the people who we we work with on developing and, and in fact, producing Acidophilus plus forus uh, of just a, f a few weeks ago announced what they're creating, they call the Probiotic Institute. Mm -hmm. And the, the idea of this organization is, ver I think, very good because what they want to do is, is to use serious scientists and different organizations, in fact, to sort out the wheat from the chaff and come up with, in fact, studies and areas and, and probiotics that in the, down the road, they, they know industrially they could probably use and therefore can propose new products that can really do more than just acidophilus plus can do. Yeah, I think somebody needs to sort through the literature and figure out, you know, yeah. what I call the impact factor on, on the data, yeah. the knowledge base. Is this, this is really add something important or is it just a novel sort of thing that somebody demonstrated that has no real relevance in, in human health? So, you know, I think that, uh, you know, we've had a great conversation here. What I'd like to do is it seems like the future offers a lot of promise, but the future is still in the future. And in, in, the, in the meantime, I think there's people out there who uh, recognize the importance of their gut microbiome and want to keep it as healthy as possible. Can you give us a few suggestions on, you know, what you think is the best course to do right now? Well, um, it's like everything else. If you look after your, your, your body, and I mean, a lot of people, you know, we, we talk about taking care of your liver, of your heart and your lungs and all this. A lot of people, in fact, say that this, the, the microbiome and the, the gut microorganisms being a matrix is, in fact, it's the forgotten organ. Because, in fact, the way it works, in fact, is very similar. If you look at the way the liver, the lungs, the heart, the brain, everything else works, mm -hmm. it's... These other organs all need feeding and they all produce things and they all have functions. And the, and the actual probiotics in the gut are exactly the same. So if you look after them, they'll look after you. Therefore, in your diet, it's, as we say always, a, a new life. You know, keep a, a balanced diet, you know, sort of rich in, in fiber, lots of fruits and vegetables, because it also, strangely enough, there's some research coming out that maybe some of the substances we eat in fruit and vegetables, in fact, can also have an influence on your microbiome. But that, again, is down the road. Yeah. So, I mean, just keep a good, healthy, balanced diet. Simple as that. And, of course, take acidophilus plus. Yeah. Yeah, I know that's... Uh... It, people want to find a magic cure for things, but it typically yeah. in, in biochemistry, as you know, it's human biochemistry and microbiology and the gut microbiome. It's, it's never about one thing. It's not about that. No. It's about a diversity of things that you deliver uh, constantly over time. And sometimes when you, you know, we think about, well, I don't eat, you know, enough fruits and vegetables. So, you know, I put on some weight, but what you don't realize is by not eating enough fruits and vegetables, you're also not feeding your, your gut microbiome what it needs. And right. uh, that can set you up for even bigger problems in the long run. So right. you know, uh, I'm a firm believer in, in acidophilus. I, I don't take it every day because I don't need it every day, but I take it regularly, nevertheless, just to make sure that I keep my uh, colony going uh, in balance down there and I thought the idea that these guys protect me from the bad boys that are also part of the Well, the, well this, this is important because unfortunately some of those bad boys are really bad. If they do take, if they do take over, 
then these guys are not very funny. And and the problem is that they're very very often if they do take over, they're very difficult to get rid of. Yes, yes. When my son was in uh, hospital with C difficile overgrowth, it got pretty scary. I mean, he was yeah. it was it was a nasty thing, and he was a young guy at the time. He was only nineteen, and you know, very very physically fit. Yet it put him on a hospital bed simply because somebody messed with his gut microbiome and neglected to tell him. Oh, by the way. You know, we killed your gut microbiome. You should do something before the bad boys that are left over there take over. So I think just, that- just one thing on that point, John. In fact, the thing is that this is where it is very useful. In fact, as you said, all of us, sometimes we can't help it. You need to take for whatever reason antibiotics. But this is where do not take acidophilus while you're, you're on antibiotics, because as John mentioned earlier, unfortunately, most anti- antibiotics are not very specific. So if you take acidophilus at the same time as, as an antibiotic, then unfortunately it will get wiped out. Also, do not take garlic at the same time either, yeah. because garlic as well is also a very, very good antibacterial product as well, that yeah. in some cases can be very useful. But and some of the, of the, like allicin and that, has very good effects on other things in your body. But unfortunately, it also takes care of your, of any, Acidophilus you take. Yeah. But as I say, afterwards, after having your antibiotics, then certainly take as much as you want because that's the important. You need to get the right guys actually uh, um, working where they should be. Yeah, get the team back on the field. Exactly. So, so right, anyway, Dave, I want, to, I want to thank you for this conversation. I know you and I talk about this stuff all the time, and I, I love your ability to uh, dig in and explain things like that. I think the audience that's listened here will get as much enjoyment out of it as I do. I just, uh, you know, the things that we've done that you've brought along to us with the introduction of Acidophilus Plus and our targeted delivery technology that makes sure the stuff gets to where it needs to be. Uh, are things that sort of set us apart. And I, I'm looking forward to the next things that uh, come across the SAB that help us uh, move the needle down the road a little further even. So thanks very much for your time, Dave, and spending it, uh, the, giving us this information. No problem. And, My pleasure. Uh, <laughs> to all of you that uh, have looked in on this, uh, you know, you've just heard from uh, one of the what I consider to be one of the one of the best minds in the world in microbiology and and uh, in particular probiotics and how they influence your your gut. So, uh, you know, if you learned a little something today, uh, we're very happy. So that's all for now, Dave. Take care. I'm sure Thank I'll you. see you at the next SAB meeting, whether it's face to face or on Zoom. Yeah. Okay. Be well, Dave. Thank you.